Jackie and Miss Virginia are going to be in charge, we think. So if you will exit to my left and to your right, those of you who are staying, please turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Also turn on to social media, go to your Facebook or your Instagram or wherever and let it, the world know that you are worshiping our Lord and Savior this morning. It's a little loud. At Chevis Oaks Baptist Church. Today we're going to continue in the series we started by, really, I started by accident a few weeks ago, uh, but it was no accident on the part of God, amen? Uh, entitled, title of this series is, There is Power In. And what we've been looking at is, is the, the different entities and the different entitlements and the different, really, all of, of who God is, and seeing that we, we all know that there's power in God, but Everything God touches, there's power in. Amen? And we've learned quite a bit so far. So far, we've learned that there's power in prayer. And some of us knew that. Some of us aren't so sure about it. But when we pray in the right manner, there is unbelievable power. Amen? Uh, two Two weeks ago, excuse me. Uh, we, uh, we came to understand that there's power in the name of God. There's power in the presence of God. And two weeks ago, we learned that there is power in the Word of God. Okay, thank you. I just, y'all, I'm, I'm a little sleepy, but y'all shouldn't be. Now, we came to understand this through Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse 12, that the Word of God is emphatically alive. The Word of God is emphatically effective. The Word of God is emphatically sharper than a two-edged sword, penetrating as far as dividing the soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. And by this, we came to understand that the, that God, the Word of God, God's Word, has the ability to touch every aspect of our bodies. That's powerful. Powerful. Now this morning we're going to continue in this series and we're going to come to understand that there is most definitely, 100% unequivocally, there is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Great songs this morning. Angela, did you have any idea that I was, you know, where I was going? You didn't even, you thought I was finished with this this morning, didn't you? The power in. But we've, we've heard about the power in God's name all this morning. So we're going to continue in this series. Look at Romans chapter 5, and we're going to start reading in verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Also through him we have obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, But we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that afflictions produce endurance. Endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. This hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the appointed moment, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, right here, listen, we, we, we seem to think, oh, you know, he, he, he died for those ungodly people, those murderers and those rapists and those drug addicts and those drug dealers. And, no, 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 no. That's us. That, that is us. Christ died for the ungodly. But it starts getting better in verse 7. For rarely will someone die for a just person. 
Though for the, a good person, perhaps someone might you know, even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. For, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through death of his, of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will, be, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our, our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, as, as we come to you again this morning, thanking you for this day, thanking you for your love, Lord, we, we pray that you would settle our hearts, settle our minds right now, settle, settle everything within us, God, that we'll be able to sit down, sit still, and pay attention to your word and how it's speaking to each one of us this morning, how it's speaking to our hearts that we might be better because we heard a word from you this morning. Help us to understand exactly what we're seeing this morning that we might be greater servants for you. In Jesus' name we do pray, and all God's children said, Amen. This morning, I want us to remember that, that if we are thirsty and we drink a glass of water, our thirst is quenched. It really is. This past week, I, I, any time that I wanted something to drink, I had to, really, I had to go to a bar area, and there was this one guy, and I had my, my drink in my hand. He says, that looks pretty good. What, what, what is that you're drinking? I said, it's, it's ice water with three lemons. <laughs> and he got a, ca a cappuccino. <laughs> but when we drink water, our, our thirst is quenched. Church, if we're hungry and we eat a bacon cheeseburger, bless God, our hunger will be gone for a short period of time. If we're hot, and I see some of y'all are fanning in here this morning, there, there's, there's churches going on in Nicaragua and Honduras right now, and they ain't got air-conditioned church. So it ain't that hot in here, right? But when we're hot, we walk into an air-conditioned building, and poof, we can cool off. And we become cold sometimes in an air-conditioned building. Miss, Miss Virginia, I, I'm, she'd be in here. She, and Miss Barbara, I'm surprised you don't have a blanket on. Now, we can walk outside in the summertime heat and quickly warm up. Now, when I'm sleepy, I can close my eyes and take a nap and feel much better when I wake up. If I have a headache, I, I can take a goody powder, and in just a few minutes, I feel much better. Church, the point that I'm trying to make here this morning is that just about every condition or malady that my body encounters or faces, there is something that I personally can do to resolve that condition. Just about anything. I can't make my hair grow. I'm not spraying Rogaine on my hair, and I'm not going to have them drill holes and, you know, get hair, uh, you know, off the back of my skin. I'm not doing that. I'm a good-looking bald-headed man. But just about every malady or condition we face, we, we can do something to change it for the better. Now listen, but, but, there is nothing, absolutely nothing, I could have done years ago when I realized that I was dying and I was a lost sinner to fix that condition. There was nothing I can do. Amen. Nothing. And listen, Ricky Tyre, it scared me to death. 
when I finally realized I was not normal, I had this sin in my life. And listen, incidentally, I still do. And so do you. As long as we're walking in this world, this flesh, we have sin in and around us and through us. Listen, we need to do something about it. Scripture, the Holy Spirit, God screams out to us to take care of this sinful condition in our lives. And years ago, something happened that I could do that. Church, I couldn't drink something or eat something to take care of this sinful condition this lost condition that I knew I now suffered from. But I came to know something. And I came to know what we're preaching about this morning. And the thing that I came to understand is, church, the blood of Jesus saved me. There is power. There is power. Caleb Branham, there is power in the precious blood of Jesus. Now, right about now, about 30 years ago, if Calvin Morrow would have been standing right here 40 years ago and he was preaching this message, by the way, that, that's Amy's grandfather, my first preacher. If he would have been preaching this message about the blood of Jesus and O.B. Ayers would have been in the, the, the congregation that day, all preacher Morrow had to do was announce the topic that there is power in the blood of Jesus and O.B. Ayers would have been up like this. And, and, and shortly into the message, Obi would have had to get out and walk out the door because he was just, he, he, he could not handle messages on the power of Jesus because he knew how the blood of Jesus affected him and changed his life. Church, that's how it ought to be for us. There is power. Cynthia Jacobs, there is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. There always has been. So church, Help, let me help you to understand. All throughout biblical history, God has used blood to cleanse man from his sin. Now, we can see through the extensive Levitical laws that God required, he required the shedding of a spotless animal to redeem man's sins. Man had to work for his redemption to acquire forgiveness from God. But, but it was just temporary. Every time man sinned before Jesus shed his blood on Calvary's cross, he would have to shed the blood of a spotless animal to redeem himself. And once a year, there had to be a shedding of blood from the spotless lamb to redeem the whole family of their sins, both known and unknown sins. Do y'all know that you sin and you don't even know that you sin? Because Scripture says man rectifies it within himself to make all things right. So we, we justify things that we really shouldn't justify, and Scripture definitely doesn't justify. Right? But when Jesus shed his blood for us, but when Jesus shed his blood for us, all of that was over. We, we, man didn't have to constantly go back and shed blood and shed blood. Oops, I sinned. Oh, I, I've got to shed some blood. Oh, I sinned again. I've got, I've got to shed blood. I, I've got some wonderful friends who are Nazarenes, and they have to get saved seven or eight times during the day. See, what they don't understand is the power of what I'm preaching this morning, about the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, church, that is the power of, that, that, that saved each one of us this morning. This morning I want to tell you exactly what the blood did for us through what our scripture told us that I just read here a few minutes ago. 
So in this scripture, it tells us exactly what happened or can happen or should happen when each of us accept Jesus as our personal Savior and that blood is put on us to atone us from our sins. Verse 1 tells us that we have been declared righteous through faith. Just by having faith, Jesus has declared us righteous. Did you hear that, Amy? I'm righteous. I, I don't get that at home a lot, Gidget. You know, we, we, we have to, you know, there, there were several times on our vacation, I said, it's this way, honey. And she said, no, it's not. It's that way. I was like, that's the back. That's the front. She said, no, that's the back and the front. Poppy, if she would just understood that I am righteous through the blood of Jesus, she would have followed me, right? <laughs> but that same righteousness is on her as well. So I have to follow her as well. But, but understand, we are righteous through the blood of Jesus. We were not righteous before the blood of Jesus. Now understand, please understand, you look at this self-righteous world that we live in, and I want you to understand, Americans are becoming more and more and more and more self-righteous every single day. It, it just, it, it boggles my brain to see how people act. They can do things that are totally off the charts, and they're, they're fine with it. And if you say something to it, they become self-righteous. Well, you know, judge not, lest you be judged. That's the only scripture they can, they can, they can quote, and they're quoting it out of, out, of, out of scripture, and they're misquoting it. But church, we, when the blood of Jesus touches us, we are righteous. Amen? Amen. Not because of us, but because of the shed blood of the righteous one. Verse 1 also tells us that we now have peace with God. Did y'all see that? Because of this blood, because of what Christ did, we now have peace with God. Now, some of y'all are thinking, well, okay, Mr. Donald, you think, well, that's great. I now have peace with God. But the thing that you're missing, the thing that you're not understanding, the thing that you're overlooking here is before that blood, before that blood touched you, before you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, you were at war with God. Yeah. Well, Brother Kyle, I was never at war with God. Yes, you were. When you thought that what you were doing was right, you were at war with God. When you would condone things, you were at war with God. When you were in love with the world, you were at war with God. Listen, our spirit wrestles with us every single day. Before you had the blood of Jesus, you didn't have that spirit inside of you. you listen, you, you were at war with God. But now, through the blood of Jesus, because of the power of the blood of Jesus, Scripture tells us that we are now at peace with God. Listen, I, I'm, I'm still learning about the power of God, how powerful He really is. And I want you to know something, Miss Desi. I'm glad that I have peace with God because if, at war, I'd never win. There's no way that I could win that struggle. I'm at peace with God. But Paul tells us something else. Verse 2 tells us, that we now have access to something. That means that we can possess it. We can understand it now. We have access to God's grace that we did not have before. Well, hold on a second, Brother Kyle. Are you, you telling me that, that God didn't display his grace towards us until after we accepted Jesus Christ? Certain aspects of it, I mean, he, he reached out to us. 
we, we could spell grace. Y'all remember when we got the spelling list in first, second, third grades? Apple, orange, dog, cat. I'd always make a 30. I mean, I don't know. That was my favorite. I don't know. But anyway, grace. We could spell grace. And we knew a little bit about grace. But God, we, uh, Bob, we never experienced grace until that shed blood was placed on us. We'd never experienced that before. We, we didn't know what the experience was like. It was like Willie Nixon in, in Gray, South Carolina. He was 80-something years old. He, he lived in that area right across the bridge for 80-something years. He never had an air condition, Kenny Jacobs. Never. They had summers just like this. Never had air conditioning. Never had a window unit. Nothing. His brother, it was an unbelievable heat wave we're going through, and his brother put an air conditioning unit in, in his house, and a couple days later he said, you know, how is it? You know, is he, Willie said, man, it's, it's really cool in the house down. It's, it's nice. He said, but I have to turn it off at night because it makes too much noise. I can't sleep. Y'all, I don't care if it sounds like a ship engine at night. As long as it's cool, I, I can't, if, it, if it's 90 degrees in the house, I can't sleep. But we know what we know, and we don't know what we don't know. And listen, until you know the grace of God, you don't know what you've missed. And because the power of the blood of Jesus, listen, we now have the grace of God. We can understand how, how much grace God has given to us. We learn what we don't deserve, but yet God has given anyway. And we should on a daily basis see that. And we understand, as Miss Lynn tells us all the time, God is good. Amen? Amen? But verse 2 also tells us that we can now rejoice. We couldn't rejoice at first. Brandy, we couldn't before. We could not rejoice before. We could partially rejoice, or we might think we were rejoicing. But this scripture this morning, Paul tells us that we can now truly rejoice of the glory of God. Church, we could not experience the glory of God until we experienced the blood of Jesus. Now we can understand the complete majesty of God. I, I remember years ago, years and years and years ago, we were in the library at Winthrop, Winthrop College, and we, we had to do term papers at least once or twice a year. And that was the, my most favorite time of the year, trying to find somebody else's term paper to buy so I wouldn't have to write one. But, you know, in this particular year, I mean, I had to footnote my own because this guy that I borrowed, is, he didn't footnote. So I was in the library, and there was a Bible there amongst the periodicals and wherever, that I, and I picked up. And, Bob, I could feel something was, you know, there's power in the, in the Word of God. But I didn't understand the glory of God. I, I could read the Bible and I, I did just like any other lost person did. I, you start on page one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I could understand what was, but I couldn't understand it. I could understand in the beginning, but I couldn't understand what I was reading. It's okay, y'all pay attention to me. In the beginning, I, I could see that. But listen, and, and when the blood of Jesus touched me, the power of Jesus opened up my eyes and I could understand the glory of God in the Word of God. I, can, I, could, I could walk outside and, and I, could, I could see the sky. I could watch the setting of the sun and the rising of the moon and the setting of the moon and the rising of the sun and, and I could see its beauty, but I didn't understand the glory of God and all that. 
But once I experienced the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, I understood the majesty of who God was. I, I hope that you can. I hope that you can now. Listen, God's majesty is unbelievable, but you can't see it until you experience the, the, the blood of Jesus. Verse 3 tells us that we can now rejoice in affliction. Oh, man. Is there anybody in here who is, has never been afflicted? Now, affliction, there is a wide, that's, that's almost, uh, you know, that's a relative word because each person would define uh, affliction in a different way, right? Years ago, I would have, I would have defined affliction as, as having to spend three days with my mother-in-law. Did I get a witness? Uh, you know, each person defines affliction in a different way. But our scripture this morning tells us that we can now rejoice in affliction. Y'all ever done that? Y'all, I've never, we were driving from Miami, Florida yesterday morning all the way to Savannah, Georgia. And I can't tell you how many people in, listen, I'm, people in Florida, they don't know how to drive, y'all. Oh my gosh. They, they are either riding in the left-hand lane and, you know, right at the speed limit and won't get over, or, or they're all over trying to get the, over the past the person who's driving the speed limit in the lane. I mean, it's crazy. I just ride in the center lane and just try to mind my business. But where, I, I don't know where I was going with that. Hold on. <laughs> I got it. I, I remember. Y'all settle down, Miss Edie. You have to rejoice in affliction. I've never seen so many cars on the side of the road. I've been on the side of the road myself several times, Ricky Tires, you know, because I've called you. But I wasn't on the side of the road in 102 degrees with the heat coming off the pavement. These people were afflicted. Bob, do you know what this scripture tells us this morning? This scripture tells us that, that through the blood of Jesus... As we're driving down the road and it's hot outside and that air conditioning's blowing through your hair, not mine, and you're enjoying the, the, whatever's playing on the radio and you hear thumping, 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 and you realize, hey, I have a, I have a flat tire. And then you, you see, you hear thumping, and you have two flat tires. That means as you're pulling off to the corner of the road and you know as sweat's rolling down your brow and you're going to be standing out there and you're going to change one tire and not have a spare for the other, that you can rejoice in your affliction. Why? Because it doesn't matter. Jesus is going to be there with you. Well, Brother Kyle, hold on a second. <clears throat> I've heard stories of people changing tires on the side of I-95 and, and people not paying attention, them people crazy in Florida, whipping through traffic and, and swerving off the side of the road and killing people. Listen, do y'all realize that if, if, if a car hits me while I'm changing my tire, Amy's got money through a life insurance policy so she's taken care of, and listen, I'm going home. I'm going to heaven. Amen? There is power in the blood of Jesus, knowing, listen, we're, th this affliction thing should be gone. I'm going, as long as I live, I'm going to face some sort of affliction. Had surgery this, this, almost at this exact same time last year. <coughs> August 31st, rotator cuff and labrum on this shoulder. Wasn't fun, y'all. This year, almost one year later, this one's feeling pretty good. Really is. Now this one's saying, you need surgery. And Gary, I'm just like, 
You know how I can do that? There is power in the blood of Jesus. Now, I might have to have it one day, but it ain't going to be next month. It ain't going to be tomorrow, Dan. Why? I'm going to rejoice in my affliction. It, it hurts. It really does. But listen, Jesus is greater than that power. Do y'all know that there's nothing that I can do, that no affliction that I can face that will supersede what Jesus faced? He, he, was in, he, he wasn't even recognizable on the cross. Couldn't I mean, he was just a, a mound of bloody meat, flesh on the cross. Unrecognizable. Now you tell me what affliction you're going to face that's going to be worse than that. Anybody? Anybody? See, we can rejoice in our affliction, not at what happened with Jesus, but knowing that that blood that he shed for us, it doesn't matter what happens to us, we're going to make it past that. Praise God. But, but it gets better. It, it gets better. Because we can re now rejoice through the blood of Jesus, rejoice in all of our afflictions, that produces endurance. That means we can, the more we go through afflictions and the more we count on the blood of Jesus, it builds our endurance. When something else happens, we look at, our, look at each other. And, and Becky, we do this all the time in the office. And we say to each other, when affliction comes or circumstances come, and we look at each other and laugh and say, oh, well. Oh, oh, well. Here it is again. Now, when I first faced this affliction, it was devastating. I was like, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Now, because of endurance, I can say, oh, well, right? But something else happens. When the affliction comes, we build this endurance, and it produces something within us, and we don't even see it. It produces what Scripture tells us is character. And that same character produces hope. Church, all of this is because the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. All of it. Verse 5 is one of, if not the most exciting and amazing verses in all of Scripture to me. Look at verse 5. <clears throat> verse 5 says this. This hope that comes through affliction, y'all. This hope, Miss Nessie, that comes through affliction. This hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Well, Brother Kyle, I missed it. I don't see what you're saying here. Church, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we have a hope, and the hope is the Holy Spirit of God. He is the very center of that hope. And listen, I didn't have to pay anything for it. Griffin, it was given to me the day that I accepted Jesus. When that blood touched me, the Holy Spirit of God now took up a dwelling place within me. Did nothing for it. Nothing. But the Holy Spirit now lives within me. Speaks with me. Sings with me. Rejoices with me. Every single day. Slaps me upside my bald head several times a day and said, don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't look at that. Come this way. Turn that channel. That's the Holy Spirit living within me and living within you. But it gets better. I've got to go. Y'all look like you're tired and you're hot. Paul then tries to, to help us to understand <clears throat> what has happened to us before salvation in verses 6 through 8. <clears throat> he says this. For while we were still helpless at the appointed moment. Do y'all remember that helpless moment when you realize, oh my gosh, I'm lost. I'm ugly. And I'm, 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 if I died right now, I'd go, I'd go straight to hell. Y'all remember that day? 
Paul says, for while we were still helpless at the appointed moment, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely while some, would someone, will someone die for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for who? Us. Every single one of us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you understand, listen, the complexities of this? Jesus died for every person who was in here who is saved this morning. He died for you. Jesus died for every person who is struggling with this issue of salvation. They haven't accepted. They think they need to, but they're not sure. Listen, you know, all these religions say different things. All these denominations say different things. All these cults say different things. I don't know who's right. I don't know who's wrong. Listen, Jesus died for that person who is struggling with the issue of salvation. Listen, not only that, Michael, Jesus died for every person who will totally reject him, who will never accept him. Jesus died for that person that's powerful the blood of Jesus is powerful everything that we've read today comes to a head when we come to verse 9 because without verse 9 nothing at all could or would happen to us spiritually listen to me ever nothing we just walk around in these shells until we died Nothing, Miss Desi, would happen to us spiritually without verse 9. Verse 9 says, much more than, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved <clears throat> through him from wrath. We've now been declared righteous. Because we've been declared righteous, church, church, there is no, there, there is no, there is power in the blood of Jesus. We're righteous, not because of anything we've done, but because the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> then it gets better, church. Now, you might be sitting there, I don't know how in the world it can get, get much better, but it's going to get better. Look, look at verse 10. Verse 10 says this, <clears throat> For if, while we were enemies, <clears throat> we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Verse 11 says, <clears throat> and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Now, I'm going to be honest here, church. God started this process of reconciliation in my life the day that I accepted his son as my Savior. I am still being reconciled today. And every day that I'm alive, I'm being reconciled. But one day I will receive total reconciliation, not because of anything that I've done, but because of the blood of Jesus. What it did and continues to do in each person's life who accepts him as his personal Savior. You see, that, that blood, when, it, when, it, when I accepted Christ, when it touched my body, and I didn't see it, and I didn't feel it like a drop of water, but I know it's there. When that blood cleansed my life, something started happening. I started receiving reconciliation. 
Well, Brother Kyle, what about this wrath that we're, we're going to be? I, I, don't wanna, I, don't, I don't like wrath. I don't like spankings. I don't like, you know, I don't like harsh words. This scripture is telling us that we're not going to experience the wrath of God. Well, where's the wrath of God? Where do we see the wrath of God? The book of Revelation. Because of the blood of Jesus, we're going to be spared that wrath. That right there should tell us that we are not going to suffer through tribulation. This is a pre-tribulation scripture. Those of you who don't know what you are, that means that Jesus is going to rapture the church before any of that tribulation starts. Well, how do you know? Because we're reconciled. We're, we're, we're reconciled from all this. We're, we're removed from the wrath of God. Amen? Church, do you know my Jesus? Have you experienced the power of his blood? Do you really know my Jesus? Do you, do you understand Do you understand what you have because what he was willing to do and how he shed his blood for you? Listen to me. Listen to this last question. What does the blood of Jesus really mean to you today? Have you accepted Christ as your personal Savior? Are, are you one who is struggling with the issue of salvation? You don't know what to do? Or are you one who's already rejected Christ and you're just here because you're here? This morning, I promise you, the Holy Spirit is going to nudge you, tell you to come forward and let me show you what Scripture says each person must do to be born again. But you're going to have to make a movement. You're going to have to do something this morning. Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, as we come to you again, Lord, asking forgiveness of our sins, we thank you for the price that you paid for each one of us this morning. Help us to understand the power in your blood and what you did for us. Help us, Lord, to feel your presence this morning during this time of invitation. Lord, I pray that some person would walk this aisle and come to know you as their Savior this morning. In Jesus' name I do pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, you need to come and just spend some time at the altar this morning. You come right now. Will you come? This <clears throat> is your personal Savior. Will you come? Let me show you what Scripture says we must do. Will you come?